Ayers on the Road, Parenting in a Modern World. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Oh, hi there, parents, grandparents, and anybody who might be listening in. Here we are again talking about being on the road. We are actually on the road in a car uh, at the moment, and we're doing something kind of fun, which we'll talk about a little later in the show. You know, when we first uh, signed up to do this show, little did we know, I mean, we were traveling all over, and as we still are speaking to parents around the globe, but someone suggested the title, Ayers on the Road, and we said, fine, that sounds fine, but as it turns out, we, we actually have been on the road in a car several times doing this show. And we're, we happen to be in Ogden, Utah tonight, and we ought to tell the reason we're here, Linda, because it's pretty exciting. It's directly connected to families and to Christmas. Well, it is. I have to say that we, uh, many years ago, we started worrying about our kids, and we talked a little bit about this last time, but we started worrying about our kids being spoiled and and getting everything they wanted for Christmas and not thinking much about other people. We talked about that a little bit in the last show. But we, we were, decided... Yeah, we were worried that all they thought about was what was on their list and what they were going to get. And we we tried everything. We tried going to orphanages. We tried, you know, getting them to buy all their own gifts and so on. And they were still too focused on getting. But then... Then we decided what we would do is spend one evening during the Christmas holidays and have the children prepare a little concert. And by a concert, not professional. Anything from reading a little poem to a piano solo to, um, you know, a beginning violinist or anything, just so that they felt like they were participating in this project. Not Not just our kids, but the kids from the whole neighborhood. Absolutely. We had all the kids involved in the neighborhood who um, were the ages of our kids, which, you know, could have been from 5 to uh, 18. And um, it was really fun because they seriously prepared a little number for this concert. And then the parents came to hear the concert and paid a lot of money. Paid admission. Admission was not cheap. And you'd be amazed how much parents would pay to hear their own kids perform. Yeah, after they killed themselves to get them ready, <laughs> then they had to pay for listening to them. But here was the idea that the kids then would take this money and say, we, we earned this money, we raised it through the use of our talents, and now we're going to send it to some children in the third world who are in real need, and that'll be our Christmas gift to other children who don't have near as much as we do. And you know what? It worked great, and we did it year after year after year, and it got better and better. At least the way I remember it, it got better and better every year. Yeah, we had to talk to the kids and the parents about that. Um, I remember one night our house was just packed full of people, and it was uh, one of the very first ones. And our neighbor actually knew of a school in um, Bolivia, that could be built for $2,000. It was cinder block, but it could be built for $2,000. And it goes a long way in Bolivia. And it was a long time ago. But um, it was really incredible. We raised $2,000 that night with these kids' talents. And the kids, of course, were overjoyed. But I do remember one little girl. It was uh, the little Jacobson girl, and she was adorable. She was about six, and she 
went to the piano bench. Her feet did not even reach the floor. And she was playing her little piece. And as she was playing, the audience realized the bottom was falling out of the piano bench. <laughs> and the music, they could kind of see the music. It was the old days when we had an old piano. And it was so funny. And they were tittering and laughing. And it was. she was so embarrassed because she thought they were laughing at her. And then when we got it all worked out, it all turned out just fine. Oh, but. there's no end to little incidents that happen when that many kids are putting on a concert. But what I remember is that after it was all over and, and people were putting their money, uh, their admission money, which was a donation, but I think we suggested a certain amount. And, and then well, when it was over, the kids were counting it. Oh, I hope we get the $2,000. We can build that whole school for these kids in Bolivia. And and they're counting out these twenty dollar bills and one dollar bills and so on and and trying to keep track of it all. And when they realized they had actually made it, they'd raised two thousand dollars. They they were going to build a school. They were so excited. And I remember thinking that was the biggest sort of collective group of kids I'd ever seen really catch the Christmas spirit of giving. It was. Quite amazing, but I ought to quickly say why. Why you may say why are we talking about this? What, what are you doing in Ogden? Well, Saren, our oldest daughter, is now, as are many of our kids in other parts of the world, putting on her own children for children concert. And as usual, she's taken an idea of ours and made it a bigger, better idea, much better. And not that they raise a huge amount, but really, I mean, sometimes. They had a concert when they lived in St. George, and a, a man at the end, they were working. Actually, this daughter went to Bulgaria as a missionary for the LDS Church and worked in the orphanages there, and she's never forgotten that that experience, and it was amazing. The windows were broken. Snow was coming through the window. The kids were starving, and uh, so every year, she and several other women that were there really work hard to raise money for these orphanages to feed these children, keep healthy, and give them some really good food and a reason to live. And so they they do this every year. Now, we also have a daughter in uh, Gilbert, Arizona, who's also doing a Children for Children concert, and one in Boston, Massachusetts, doing a Children for Children. And this year, half of the money is going to a charity of their choice, but the other half is going to organizing a group for the syndrome that our little granddaughter Lucy has. Um, it's very, very rare, and those parents need to be organized, and they need to have a registry. So they're trying to raise money for a registry so these parents can be in touch with each other so that they can medically figure out how to help these children. So it really is a fun project at Christmas time. You know what's been interesting over the years with these, and we do, as you point out, Linda, we call them children for children concerts. And the main thing, I mean, the whole point of it all is to be sure that the kids understand they are raising this money by using their talents. And that money is going to belong to them. They've raised it, and they are the ones sending it to uh, Bolivia or to uh, uh, set up a registry Bulgaria, for a or to Romania, Romania or wherever. And, and by the way, there's no shortage of good causes. They seem to come out of the woodwork, but we've always tried to steer it mostly toward the third world for the simple reason that money goes a lot further. You, can, you, you, know, you can't build a school for $2,000 
in most places, but you can in some of these third world locations. So the kids know in advance what they're raising the money for, and it's always connected to children. Thus, we call it children for children, and they're the ones, not the parents, but the kids who raise the money and send it to those other kids. And boy, what a difference it makes in terms of a child you know, of course they can still be excited about Santa Claus. Of course they can still make their list. Of course they can still, you know, hope that they get what they want for Christmas. But what a wonderful thing to be able to balance that with a tremendous feeling of real giving, not just some little thing, but we really raise some money and we really send it off. And right tonight, the minute we're done with this radio show, but we're sitting right now in the car across the street from the big community church, not an LDS church. I don't even know what kind of church it is. I mean, it was a Baptist church, but it's since been turned into community center. And it's a perfect setting. Perfect setting. And we're going to go over there as soon as we're done on this program. And we're going to be the most enthusiastic parts of this audience as about 40 or, 40 or so little kids perform, believe me, with widely varying levels of talent. <laughs> exactly. Some are almost unbearable. But it really is so fun to see them um, come forth and do this. And actually, Saren, as we said, has made it better. She always ends with the nativity scene. And just whatever kids show up, she has enough costuming that she can put um, scarf on somebody. or a, is a, There's always a baby Jesus, and somebody's assigned to be Mary and Joseph that there are sometimes lots of wise men, tons of shepherds. Everybody gets to be part of the little nativity scene. And um, her oldest son, who's 13 now, runs the show, and it's so great. He, he conducts it. Yeah. And he um, actually narrates the nativity scene, which is just very, very simple. And um, just has the whole little scene there at the end, which is always a tearjerker and just a wonderful uh, event. So, you know, it, it's good on, it's a win-win. It's a good thing on many levels. It helps children, it helps poor children, it helps our more privileged children, as all kids in this country are, whether they know it or not, to be more grateful and to have more perspective. And it helps neighborhoods. Like tonight, I mean, there'll be, you know, there'll be a, maybe 20 or 30 families coming together in a neighborhood for such a wonderful cause. And so it's kind of the harbinger of Christmas for a lot of families and places where this is done. So we hope this has given you some ideas. You don't have to do a big deal, but if you're looking for a way to get your kids into the Christmas spirit, there are many ways to do it. But one way is to hold a little Children for Children concert. We'll take a little break. And when we come back, we want to tie it in to something that happened this last week, and you'll find it an interesting connection, namely to Nelson Mandela. Ayers on the Road, Parenting in a Modern World. Here's Richard and Linda Iyer. We're back, and uh, Linda's been thinking a lot this week, as we all have, about Nelson Mandela. But but let's let's talk about why that's been on our minds, Linda, and why it's so personal to us. Well, first of all, I heard a documentary that was just astounding this week on BBC Radio, and uh, 
it was just such a wonderful review of his life, but it reminded me of when we were actually in Mandela's neighborhood, actually in his home, in March of 2006. We were in South Africa for a conference, and we decided we can't go to Johannesburg and not see where Nelson Mandela lived and worked and feel the situation there. And it was so fascinating. We went to Sueto, which is a little township just outside of Johannesburg, and here are the big, huge, gorgeous buildings of, of Johannesburg. And then across the freeway is Sueto, which is just um, it's a really nice little neighborhood. It's kind of looks lower middle class, and uh, we were so delighted to be there to go to some of the places where the history of Mandela had happened. His house is just the sweetest thing. It's just a very humble home, and we realized that his right down the street was where Desmond Tutu lived. I mean, can you imagine as boys, that? As boys, as boys. When they, they were they young, grew they up grew up on the, up same, on the street. same street in Sueto. And so it was really amazing to go there. And then we had these two young men who were starting their own touring company. They were like 21, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Darling boys. And um, they lived in Sueto. And um, I said, well, do you... Do you know anybody else? Is your family still there? And one of the boys said, oh, no, my family's not there, but my grandma's there. And I said, oh, could we go to her house? Do you think she would let us? And he said, oh, yes, I'm sure she would love to meet you. So we went to Soweto, and we knocked on the door, and this little grandma was standing in her kitchen by a cast iron stove in her bathrobe. And she turned around, and we walked in first, and she didn't even know who we were. And here was her grandson behind us. And she said, where are you from? And we said, well, we're from the United States. And she just threw her arms around me and said, I have always wanted to meet somebody from the United States. I have never met anybody from the United States. I love America. I love, I love America. America. Oh, thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. And honestly, we had the best time with her. She spoke beautiful English. She had a lovely home. Pictures of her grandchildren on the wall, just exactly like our grandmothers would have. And was so proud of this cute grandson and his friend that were with us. But then they took us from there to the home of Nelson Mandela. And then uh, again to the monuments where um, there was a school uprising when, you know, when Nelson Mandela first started uh, this whole uh, thing of eliminating apartheid, it was hugely disliked by the white minority. And um, the, they finally decided to just have the school children do a peaceful march. And five elementary schools came out of the school, their schools to march for equality for blacks. And the troops opened fire and killed one of the little boys. And his picture is still there, a big monument to him, and because that was the beginning of it all. And it was so wonderful to have that in our memories as we talked about Nelson Mandela this week. Well, I, and I and you may be saying uh, as a listener, well, well, that's fine, and, and certainly Nelson Mandela was wonderful, and we're all thinking about him because he just passed, but... What does that have to do with families and parenting, and what does it have to do with the first half of the show where you were talking about 
helping kids to have a better perspective and a more giving perspective at Christmas. And, and what we were thinking as we drove up here tonight and wondered how we could give you some of the feelings we've had in our hearts is that they're they're very closely tied because Mandela, above all other things, I think, was someone who who stood for um, equality and for fairness and for families being able to live in peace and in harmony and to have an identity as families and to have that identity be equal with other identities. And that's really what what's one of the things we think Christmas should be all about. Christmas should be a time of brotherly love. And, and the biggest meaning of brotherly love is that we understand that all people in the world are our brothers and sisters. And I think that what all parents should be trying a little bit harder to do is to... There was a ridiculous thing on TV just today. I don't know if you saw it, Linda, but it was it was some debate that had broken out on, on what color was Jesus. And there, there's this one movement called White Christmas, insisting Jesus was white. And others saying, no, 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 he was, he was, he was dark. And, and can you think of anything more ridiculous than that? Can you think of anything more crazy than trying to, to separate people from people on Christmas? And can you imagine um, the, the, the kids are really shortchanged when they think, oh, Christmas is just about where we live and our little neighborhood and our little lifestyle and our little way of doing things. What a great thing if part of our Christmases within our families can have to do with, well, look at the needs of some people in some parts of the world who have so little. A billion people living on this planet who who, who earn less than $2 a day. Is there anything we could do at Christmas for those children? And maybe you don't do some big, you know, children for children concert, but maybe you find one of these many things where you can send a Christmas gift to a third world child or sponsor a child for a certain amount a month. And somehow I'm just looking for ways to tie the Christmas spirit into the worldwide we are all brothers and sisters spirit. I think that's the best thing we can do for our kids in this Christmas season. Well, not only that, but... We're all equal. I mean, really, boy, there have been so many movies that have come out all of a sudden on slavery and how horrible that was. But in a way, the black people in South Africa at that time were slaves to the white people. Um, it was amazing. I, I just have to throw this in because it's such a vivid memory. We were standing in the line at the airport after we'd been to Sueto and met so many beautiful people there and families who still are poor but are doing so much better. And uh, this Dutch woman in front of us, you know, the Dutch were the ones that were the oppressors, said, oh, you know, I had a lot of those people working for me. Oh, man, there was one woman who had eight children, and I finally took her to a clinic and had her sterilized because that is ridiculous. She had no idea she was talking to a woman with nine children. <laughs> but 
Um, and is a little there. I had to hold Linda back. She was going to go after her. Honestly, there is, there was so much prejudice at the time. We can't appreciate it having never lived during that time. But that is what Christmas is about: is really loving our brothers for who who for who they are, and that we're all equal. Um, their spirits are so important to a God that loves all of us, and I think it's just so crucial whether it's just doing something good for someone at Christmas time and and we've just heard so many wonderful stories of uh, just random acts of kindness at Christmas time and many of you listening have done this and I have to say if you're not ready to do a children for children concert which we talked about at the first it's a little late to organize now you can do that next year but you can do something that's just as simple as helping someone with their groceries or you know, just some simple thing. I just love the Christmas time because we're looking for good things to do for people. Now, let me tell you another reason we wanted to tie this show a little bit to Nelson Mandela on this week when he was just buried, I think, yesterday in the rolling hills up above Johannesburg. What a hero. And, and another tie into Christmas, um, and I'll, I'll preface it by saying, Another thing we did while we were in South Africa was to go and visit Wobben Island, or Robin, Robin. Island, and uh, w- and visit the prison. We walked through, we spent a whole day in the prison where Mandela was incarcerated for all those many years. I mean, think of this man who went from protester to prisoner to president. But my point is... When he came out of prison, I think he became one of the icons of all time representing the successful implementation of Christ's central teaching, namely forgiveness. And and when he came out of prison and one of his first statements was that he forgave his oppressors, he forgave his jailers, he forgave those who had uh, improperly judged him, and and his rise to the presidency of South Africa was not about revenge; it was about reconciliation. In fact, the committee he set up, which Desmond Tutu, his boyhood friend, chaired this committee, and it was called the Reconciliation Committee, and people could come and talk publicly about how they had been oppressed and how they were willing to move on now, and how they were willing to reconcile with the uh, apartheid people who had kept them down for so long. And so I think as we think about the death of Mandela and the kind of example he said of Christ's core teaching of forgiveness, that's something we ought to be talking to our children about, because it's it's not enough to say oh let's let's remember this is about Jesus this is not about Santa Claus this is Christmas is about Jesus that's fine and we should say that but you got to go a little deeper what does that mean that it's about Jesus well one of the things it means is that Jesus taught us to forgive one another and to love one another and if you're looking for an example of that you can't find a better one than Nelson Mandela Absolutely. We, um, I have to just, before we close, say that that prison was incredible. That man spent with 30 other people 27 years in prison. I'm not sure he's at that specific spot that long, but many, many years 
in this cement enclosure the size of maybe a basketball floor, wouldn't you say? And oh, the he, courtyard. Yeah, no, the, the courtyard. courtyard but I mean, the cell, the cell was oh, the cells were like six feet by three feet. I mean, it was just absolutely, just unbelievable that somebody could live like that. No mail was allowed. I think they could get mail once a year. And no visitors were allowed. And they went out on this courtyard and broke up rocks, bigger rocks into littler rocks. And we were making gravel, basically. Those big hammers all day long with just aching muscles and blisters and bleeding hands every day and nothing there. And I think Mandela just pleaded for a little tree to be planted in the middle of the courtyard so they could see something green. And I have a picture of you standing by that tree. It didn't survive after he left because the yeah. trunk is about the trunk's six still inches there. around. And um, it, it's just such an amazing story of grit and fortitude, but living for something that you really believe in, which is kind of what Christmas is about. Well, and another interesting thing is that most of the prisoners that were there with Mandela were also political prisoners. And by organizing a soccer league, they, which they finally were able to do after a decade of trying to get their jailers to let them play soccer, they finally got permission to organize a little soccer league. And that organization for that soccer league ended up becoming a government in exile almost. And once Mandela was released and was elected president and apartheid was overthrown, many of those same men who had been with him in the prison on, on Robben Island became his ministers and his... Yeah people who helped set up the government. Uh, in this documentary, I just I just was so amazed because it was his voice saying, you know, we thought that we were terrorists. They thought we were terrorists. They were calling us terrorists. And then when we walked into that room that day when I became the president, those terrorists were members of parliament. <laughs> and he said it was such an amazing day. So we just, we just want you to know how much we admire people like this, and especially at Christmas. Time, who have a passion and who really know how to do something about it. So parents and grandparents, as one part of your Christmas coming up in a couple of weeks, less than that, be sure to teach your children all you can about brotherly love, about the fact that all people in the entire planet are our brothers and that Jesus came to the entire world and that's what Christmas is all about. May we all increase our global perspective at this beautiful Christmas time of year and may we wish you and your family a very, very merriest of Christmases. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.